Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. Talk about the law of leadership. And I think it's very fitting. One of, the, one of them, and uh, Judy, I'm sorry if I don't. Judy is like, what's it going to be today? Maybe. That's what she, she didn't say that, but that's what she's thinking. What's it going to be today, Pastor? Maybe. So today, uh, we're going to start out with the law of leadership. And I think it is most fitting, um, it being Father's Day. And, and so we want to talk about the law of leadership. The law of leadership. And we have described a law as, let's see if anyone can get it. What is a law? Someone want to speak? Say that one more time. Actions that have predictable outcomes or consequences. That's a law. In other words, we do something and it, it, we can predict the outcome based upon the law. And so the law of leadership. And so I want to share that with you today, the law of leadership, the law of, of influence. And so if you turn with, to me, uh, with me to John chapter 10 and verse 1, we have a wonderful example of the law of leadership. John chapter 10, I, I have meditated on this particular scripture uh, for a little while. I've gone on beyond it now, but, but I stayed with this particular chapter, this particular set of scriptures for a little while, just so I can etch it into my own soul. And I think it's a, it's a tremendous message on leadership taught to us by Jesus. Verse 1 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall is a sh is of, of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. So I want to stop right there and say one of the laws within the law of leadership is to go ahead of. And so in verse 4 it says, after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. He walks ahead of them. So for us all and for us men in particular, uh, one of the laws of leadership, one of the the nuances of the law of leadership is it suggests that we walk ahead. We don't walk behind. That means we are the example. We, we are to model what we want our children and our family to be like, that we walk ahead. The Bible says so, uh, so um, clearly here that the, the shepherd and all of us, I'm the pastor of this church, but I, I'm, I'm the pastor or the shepherd also of my family. And that is my number one responsibility, is to be the shepherd of my family. 
And, and in that is to walk ahead, to be the leader, to, to, to be out front. In other words, my children should see me doing the things that I want them to do. Not simply to suggest that they should do it or to uh, ask them to do it because I know it's right, but I should be doing it. That, that should be the example um, that they see in my life is that not only what I tell them to do, but the fact that I am doing it, that, that I'm, I'm going ahead of them, as it were. I'm, I'm leading this. They can actually see it. It's one thing to, to teach something, but it's also another thing to teach it and, let, and model it, model it and teach it. And so the role of leadership, the, the law of leadership, as shown here by Jesus, is to lead by example, to go in front of. To, to be the one who's in the head. Um, I should not ask them to do something that I've not taught them how to do through my own example. And likewise, in our own lives, we should do the same. We should, we should seek to lead out front. Very important. If we want someone to, to follow us, and the Bible says the sheep, it says the sheep know, the sheep know his voice. And you know what that means? That the only way you can know someone's voice is through proximity. You can't know their voice unless you're close to them, unless you have spent, unless we have spent time with them. And one of the challenges that we have as, as, as God has called us to be and make disciples is that we're not close enough to people for them to know our voice. Is there something wrong here? A battery. So anyway, uh, so we'll get this cleared up in just a minute. So it's important for us. It's important for us to understand that principle, to lead from the front, to lead from the front, to lead from the front, to lead from the front. One of the things we set out when we started this ministry is uh, one of our, our, our vision statement was to raise up strong families by raising up strong men. We don't apologize for it. We don't take it back because of what society is telling us today. We believe that men are the pillars of society. We believe that as the man goes, so goes the world. And it is to the betterment of all women that men take their rightful place. We are doing women a favor when we operate in a strong sense of identity as to who God has made us. And it is never to the devaluing of the woman. Matter of fact, there is no inequality in the kingdom of God. A woman is as a man is relative to equality. Uh, there is no difference. But as far as function is concerned, there is a difference. Does everyone understand that? As far as function is concerned, as far as responsibility is concerned, there is a difference. Is that what it was? There's no difference between male and female. Thank you. All right, so there's no inequality in the kingdom of God. The Bible even says it. Uh, in Christ, there's neither male, uh, 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 slave, nor free, male, nor female. 
bond or, you know, you know, you know that scripture, okay? So there's no difference. And sometimes we, that's what we hear because the world has set us against one another. The world has made it look as though there is a competition going on. There is no competition. If I'm on a basketball team, I'm not competing. If I'm the guard, I'm not competing with the center and the forward. We're on the same team, right. you know? And, and my abilities and their abilities are, are very different. Have you ever noticed, uh, even in the, uh, the, the, the championship with, um, um, who is it, um, Golden State and Toronto, Toronto's point guard looks to be about this tall, right? I mean, he's probably maybe six foot, pushing it. But he's the floor general. But he's playing with guys that are 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", 250 pounds. I guarantee you that little guy doesn't feel himself inferior to those bigger guys. Matter of fact, if he did, he wouldn't make it to the pros. He would never make it there. It's about functionality. It's about responsibility. It's about all of us claiming, and as we said last week, being assertive, using the term extra, uh, um, enthusiastic, uh, excellence, tenacity, uh, resilience, assert, assertiveness, being assertive. This is who I am. This is what I'm supposed to do. I am supposed to be out front. I'm supposed to lead. I'm supposed to be the one who is responsible for the final decision. Not necessarily having to come up with the, with the ideas, but the responsible saying, okay, hmm. Oh, yeah, we're going to do that because that one sounds right. And it may come from your wife. It may, may oftentimes, it does come from a, 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 a female or, or your wife because they have gifts and talents. And so God tells Adam in the very beginning, I'm going to help make you a helpmate, a helpmeet, helpmeet. You need someone to help you get to where you're trying to go. But you're still the leader. And you still have the responsibility because I'm not going to come to her later and ask why it didn't get done. I'm going to come to you because you have the responsibility to do it. Now, what's inferred in the responsibility is that we also have capacity. Anytime you've been given responsibility, it also means that you have capacity. Capacity means you have ability. So if God gives us this awesome role to lead, that means we can. Think about that for a minute. If God calls us to lead, that means we can lead. That means we can do the job. That means that we can take care of the responsibility. So we go into it leveraging that about ourselves. What we, we know God knows. He knows everything, right? Do you think truly? Think about it. Do you really think he would give us a responsibility if we could not fulfill it? Do you really think he would give us this job to do if there was no way of doing it? No. That would make him very negligent in giving responsibility to someone who couldn't take care of the job. So we are, we, we're to lead. We're to lead from the front. I love Paul. Paul was a leader's leader. Paul, you know, when, when the ship was about to go down, Paul said, hey, hey, fellas, y'all need to listen to me. He led from the front. He wasn't passive. He didn't have information that he wasn't willing to share with everyone else. So he said, hey, listen, guys, here's what I'm telling you to do. Go ahead and eat up now. You better eat up. 
because we're going to ditch all the rest of the food and we're going to take everything else and throw it away. And then when they were about to jump ship, he said, no, y'all don't want to do that. Because you jump ship right now, you're going to die. There's a lot of wisdom in him taking the leadership. He took the leadership. He led from up front. And so it's important for us to see it the same way. We are to lead from the front. We're to lead from the front. And so, so let's go. Let's read a little bit more of this. It says, and, and after he had, has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead. He walks ahead. Everybody say, he walks ahead of them. He walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. In other words, we talked about proximity. They know his voice. He, they, they know the voice of care. They know the voice of someone who's, who is in the mix with them. Not someone who's coming from a different place trying to tell them what to do. Are y'all with me? It, it, it's, it's, it's close. Closeness. And we need to all seek that if we're going to be truly leaders, we need to seek to be close, seek to know them, seek to understand them, seek to know what's going on in their lives. And then he goes, they won't follow a stranger. Hallelujah. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. We, you, listen, we need to teach our children that, right? Listen here. That joker's voice don't sound like your daddy's. Run from him. If he's talking some other kind of way that you don't understand that language, run. There's some commonalities. There's some common stuff that we should just know. Man, I just, you just kind of, you just, you just said that like someone I've heard before. All right? Listen, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Ha! <laughs> All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find pasture. And thieves, the thieves' purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Listen to that. The way you know whether someone is responsible enough or worthy to be followed is whether they'll give up their lives for me. That's the qualifier. Will that person lay down his life for me? In more ways than just dying. I'm talking about laying down their life, laying down their time. Laying their time down. Because, see, we don't own time. The very fact that we're in time and that there is a past and a present and a future means that we don't own it. Can't do nothing about it. It's not yours, so it can be interrupted. So no need to get upset about what's been interrupted. And my life has been one constant interruption. And the reason it is, is because in order for us to live the life that Jesus is talking about in leadership, in being a leader, being a sacrificial leader, uh, the law of leadership, then they're, they're in means that we're going to have to be called to inconvenience. 
Did you hear me? I said, we're going to be called because we're leading from the front. We're going to be called to inconvenience. As long as I want to hold on to my time, I want to hold on, then I can't be an effective leader. Because leadership, leadership in it means that I will have interruptions. There will be interruptions of time because I don't own my time. God owns my time. So if he brings someone along my path and I'm trying to go over here, then, then there's one or two things that are going to happen. I'm either going to tend to what God wants me to do or I'm going to do my own thing and miss out on what God wants. So my time is not my own. My life is not my own. Nothing is my own. And that's a true sign of leadership. Is to be able to go and, and understand that inconveniences will happen. There will be interruptions in my life, in your life. But when we set out that day as a leader, God, because a leader is always following someone. And for us, we're following the chief shepherd. And so whatever he says, I'm, my day is open. Whatever you want me to do, I'll be the first one to do it. That's leadership. That's leadership. Wherever you want me to go, I'll be the first one to get there. I don't mind my life being interrupted. I, I expect interruptions in my life. And the reason many times we're not effective leaders is because we think we own our time. And that's what brings out and brought it out this earlier this morning. That's what brings murmuring, complaining. I didn't, always, you know, I can't even do nothing without getting that phone call. I, that's murmuring. You don't own your time. You don't own it. It's not yours. And if you want to argue with me on this point, stop time then. Stop it. Just say, stop. You don't own it. I'm getting off course here. All right, so the good shepherd, the good shepherd, another law of leadership is a good shepherd does what? He lays down his life, does he not? So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not with the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with me with one shepherd. So the Father loves me, verse 17, the Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so that I may take it back again. No one can take my life from, from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and to also take it up again for this is what my Father has commanded. In other words, he realized that he was not, that to, to, to be a true leader, we must know that God is the one who owns my time. And that's where sacrifice comes in. How sacrificial. How much of a dent, how much of a dent do you and I, how much of a dent do we want to make in the lives of other people? Then it must require sacrifice. If you want to own your life, fine. Fine. But you won't make a dent. You won't disturb the enemy. You won't cause the enemy to withdraw. Because the very thing you think you're owning, he now owns. Did you hear me? If we don't live sacrificial lives, now the devil owns our time. 
All right. Let's move on to something else. Another, another aspect of uh, the law of leadership we'll find in um, John chapter 18. So turn to John chapter 18 for me. And let's start with verse 1, John 18 and 1. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priest, the leading priest and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now, with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Now, listen to this, listen to this very closely. In between the lines here, it says Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. What does that tell us? An aspect of leadership is duty. Another aspect of leadership is duty. In other words, he knew he was going to take it on the chin. But he was all right with it. Because that's my job. That's my responsibility. Listen, if we're going to be leaders, if you want to be a leader, not only in name, then there is a part of us that has to assume that some things are going to go bad. <laughs> things, some things are not going to go well in the midst of the leadership. In other words, you're going to get some attacks on you. But here's, there's an old saying, and I know all of us have heard it before, if you can't stand the what? Heat. Get out of the kitchen right if you can't stand the heat get out of the kitchen people come up you know I said oh um, I know you're having to deal with a whole lot of stuff and and so on and uh, you know like if I don't want to deal with it then I just get out of the business it's in the bit I'm in the business of people the Bible says where there are no oxen the throw is clean but where there's oxen there's a big mess and I'm part of the mess and you all are part of the mess. Our lives in many ways are messy. So a part of leadership is to assume the responsibility of being in the mess, being in the midst, cleaning it up. He fully, he fully understood, he fully understood what was coming at him. So listen to verse, um, where are we at? So Jesus, verse 4 says, Jesus fully realized, fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He, what did he do? He didn't send the disciples and ask them, well, what, what, go find out what they're, they're here for. He stepped forward. Stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, he asked. And Jesus, the Nazarene, they replied, I am he. In other words, I take full responsibility as to who I am. You need to know that. Uh, Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And let me just say this. In the midst of proximity are devils. In other words, Judas was a betrayer. You can't keep people that are bad away from you. 
Jesus himself had a Judas right there in the midst of the 12. And Judas actually helped to accomplish the will of God. Nothing goes wrong when you have God on your side, even when there are betrayers in your midst. So stop worrying so much. Stop worrying about the things you cannot control. Don't fret over the things that you cannot control. There are certain times people are going to be in our lives that are there with an intentionality to pull and to sabotage. But it's all right. Unless God gives you a direct line to hit them with, you know, like hit them, like, you know. You do it through prayer. You stay connected to God. There's nothing that can happen to those of us who stay connected to God. You, we cannot lose. Neither, neither this. The Bible says love never fails. Love never fails. So if I continue to walk in love, even when I have a devil in the camp, it can't stop me. The only thing that the devil can do is to get me mad at him, to get me bitter, to get me in resentment. And then he said, okay, we got him now. So stop fretting over all of the ill personalities that may be around you. Just, just take it up in prayer. Just establish your ground in prayer. And you'll show leadership like never before. They say, how is he so calm? How is that person so peaceful? I mean, don't, don't he know that his, his head's about to get cut off? Yeah, Jesus was fully aware of his demise. He was fully aware of what was going to happen to him, yet he didn't stop. He didn't get ill. You don't hear him like, man, Peter wants you to shut your mouth up. James, you're acting crazy again. John, just you and your brother, just, just cut out all of that asking me if you can be on one right side of my left. I'm tired of all of this stuff. No, he just maintained. He led with a, with a sense of a completion all the time. The house may be burning down. And all we do is like, okay, um, they say there's a fire here. Let's, um, let's call the police. Not, oh, no, what are we going to do? No, you, you just, just maintain the disposition that all things are right because I'm in Christ. And so he goes on as he's saying this, and I love this part here. It says, um, Jesus, verse 5, I am here, Jesus said, Judas who betrayed him was standing with them, and Jesus said, I am he. They all drew back and fell on the ground. Once more he asked them, who are you looking for? And again they replied, always from the front, right, always leading. And again they replied, Jesus the Nazarene, I told you that I am he. And Jesus said, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those who, who you have given me. Listen, you're about to die, Jesus. Jesus is about to die, yet he's thinking about his disciples. When we went to uh, um, Thailand with Pastor Gould, I, I was able to get a good picture of, of leadership and I would see this man he, he ministered every night and he was but he was he was always thinking about all of us always thinking about okay where, where are you going what's it going to do um, let, what, what's going to happen over here 
I mean, he, he was there to minister. He was there to lead the conferences. He was the primary teacher. But all the time he was thinking about, okay, where, where, where are you going to be? Where, where, where are y'all going to be at? What, what, what's going on around here? What, what, what's happening over here? Because he knew I took 12, 13, 20 people over to Thailand, and I'm responsible that they all get back. That's the heart of Jesus. Stepping out in front of, leading from the front. In verse 8 says, I told you that I am he, Jesus said, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those who I have given, you have given me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup of suffering the Father has given me? Again, I told you, we're not, we don't have, we're not responsible for our time. And he taught Peter a lesson, didn't he? And what did he tell Peter later on? He told Peter, he says, um, Peter, there's going to come a time when um, they're going to take you places that you haven't chosen to go. He was talking about that they were going to kill you, Peter. There's going to be a time in your life you're going to die for, for, for the cause of Jesus Christ. But it's okay. See, when we stop losing, losing, uh, getting upset about the time we feel like we have lost then and only then will we become tr truly effective leaders. The leader lays down his life for his flock. Let's go to one more thing. And he puts himself out there. Look at, look, look, look at um, John also, chapter 19. John chapter 19. Are you getting something from this? John 19. And verse number 25, I think. Uh, well, let's, let's read into it a little bit. Now, I want, to, I want you all to put yourself here. Listen to this story here and tell me what you might have been thinking in the same situation. It says, so they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went to the place called the place of skull in, in Hebrew, Golgotha. And there they nailed him to the cross Two others were crucified with him, one on his either side and Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek so that many people could read it. Now, where is Jesus right now? We're, we're reading the story. Where, where is he? Are y'all not reading the Bible? 
He's on the cross. He's hanging on the cross. And, and, and in the midst of him hanging on the cross, he's suffocating. He can't breathe. But listen to this. Verse 21, then the leading priest objected and said to Pilate, change it from the king of the Jews to the, he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate replied, no, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from the top to the bottom. So they said, rather than tear it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that, it, it, so that is what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother, and when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Now, you may have never looked at this scripture before. He's suffocating. This is leadership. This is nothing but pure leadership. This is nothing but protection, responsibility, leading from the front. He's suffocating. He's dying, yet he's still taking responsibility. Amen. He's about to go under. He's about to die forever. Well, not forever, but for three days he was. But yet still he had the mindset because it was always, it wasn't something he had to drum up just for that time. It's what he lived. He lived this all the time. He was always thinking about, thinking about his responsibility to others. It didn't matter what happened to him. It mattered that, hey, I got to take care of my mom. Mom, look at your son. Son, this is your mother. That's, that's, that's leadership to the nth degree right there. I just loved it. When, I, when the Spirit of God showed me that, I was like, yes. That's, that's leadership. Always thinking about how is this going to help someone else. Because it's not about us anymore. True leadership always looks out at ways in which it can benefit someone else. And sometimes that means to be tough. Sometimes it means to be nice and, and kind. Sometimes it means to, to whip them out of the, you know, could you imagine the lesson he taught his guys when he went in there and they were, they were doing stuff in the temple and he ran them all out? He was always teaching for three years, he was just teaching, teaching, teaching. Everything was teaching. And, and, and going back again, uh, I just can't, you know, what, what uh, Alton was saying earlier this morning, it's hard to complain when, it, when, when, when life is not about us, when it's not about us anymore, when it's about others. And so we see a marvelous example of someone whose fixation 
was on other people to the point that he was laying down his life for them. See, when we are taking the lead, when we are truly responsible, not for others, but to others, it's a big difference. See, I'm not responsible for any of you all, but I'm responsible to you. I've got a responsibility to you. And when I'm, when I'm thinking that way, when I, when I get George Logan out of the way, then I become a very much more effective leader because now I can speak the truth in love. Because it's not about, well, I want you to keep on liking me. Well, I hope you don't leave our church. Well, I hope you'll think kindly of me. No, if I've got your heart in mind, then there's going to be times where I have to say things that are difficult, that are tough, that may make, that may make what you want to leave the church. But it's not my responsibility for you. My responsibility is to you. I've got to be responsible to you. And we see that in Jesus. There's an old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And when they know you care, when they know that your response came from caring, and not from any other motive, no other motivation, then it carries weight. My sheep hear my voice. Those who are following me hear me because I've, I've laid down, I've laid down my, I tr they know that I care for them. They know that I care for them. My children know I care for them. They know that I care for them. And they know that I say difficult and hard things to them sometimes. But un underwriting all of that is, yeah, I know he cares for me. I, w I really wouldn't say that, but I know he cares for me. I know he loves me. And that's the heart of leadership. I don't know how much time I've spoken this morning. But Judy, I might not get to any more today. Where are you at, Judy? But can we do one last one? Can we do just one last one? I want to show you this last one because I think it, 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 it nestles into this as well. So I want to go to one more law and then we'll be done for this morning. And that is the law of separation and desperation. The law of separation and desperation. If you'll go to the book of... Um, book of John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 60. And we'll finish up with this. And this is for us men. This is for all of us fathers and the male men, the male men that are out there. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. They were what? Complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Well, let's go up a little bit so that we understand what he was talking about, okay? Verse 53. 
It says, so Jesus again said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread and that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware of his dis uh, that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? And then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. And for Jesus knew from beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father give them to me. And at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked them, are you also going to leave? But one thing, one pattern about Jesus that has been consistent through scripture is the fearlessness to say what needs to be said, no matter the outcomes or the consequences. At this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? And have, you have the words that give eternal life. And we believe that we know you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. He has he was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve, who would later betray him. Listen to what he's saying here. When I say the law of separation and desperation, or you could turn it around the other way, the law of desperation and separation. Whatever you are desperate for, you will separate to get it. Are y'all with me? See, you don't have to tell anyone anything about what you really desire most, your actions will always, always, always give you away. <laughs> so, so sometimes, you know, people think, you know, I think he thinks I'm on board. I know if you're on board or not. <laughs> I know. I mean, it don't bother me none either way. And I'm not trying to get an action because I can't make you desperate. I can't make you desperate. And, and if you're not desperate, you won't separate. The only thing that, 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 that you can do is get before God, and God will build into you a desperation, which will cause a separation. You will want that more than this. You will want life more than death. You will want obedience more than sin and disobedience. That's what causes a desperation. He says, the disciples are like, where else are we going to go? Where, where, we, you want to have the bread. You have life. 
And I think many times we are ill-effective in our leadership is because we've not become desperate enough to begin to peel away some things that have held us back and just say, God, I want you. I want, I want you. An offense, the enemy's goal in your life is to separate you from the word of God. So if he can get you mad at sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so or you don't like the way the music was this morning or you thought it was too cold in here or you thought something else was going on, he has now been effective at separating you from the word of God. You need to have an attitude that where else will I go to get the bread of life? Where else can I go to get food that is good for my soul? If it was good for you for 10 years, it should be good for you for 20 years. You understand what I'm talking about in other words until you get hungry for the word of God you will not separate from that which is mediocre from that which is just so and so and the enemy's goal in your life I want you to know this his goal is to make you upset with somebody because he has the desire of separating you from the word of God his whole desire is just that but when you say no I'm getting the word I'm getting the word. I'm getting the word. It's the word of God. I love the word of God. I like the word of God. I don't care if they treat me right there. I don't care if sister so-and-so didn't speak to me that that morning. I don't care. None of that stuff bothers me. I don't care. I came to get the word. So many illegitimate reasons for leaving for something far less than the best. I said this last week, and we're definitely closed now. But I heard this, and I think it bears repeating. It says this. The guy came up and said, you know what? I can, I can give you five reasons I'm going to leave the ministry. Another guy said to him, hmm, is that all you can come up with? There's tons of reasons to quit. But when we get desperate, there's a law there. When we get desperate enough, you'll separate there are relationships that we hang on to that we need to have departed from a long time ago. That we're just kind of hanging on to thinking that that rotten fruit is going to one day taste good. No, it's rotten. It ain't going to get revived. It's dead. It just looks good on the outside. God, help me to be more desperate for you. Amen. Everyone stand up on your feet. Yes. I just, I believe that there's a need for desperation. There's, there's a need to, to recalibrate our desires. That we want God more than anything else in this world. We want God more than anything else. We want God more than being angry. We want God more than being upset. We want God more than having the air at the perfect temperature. I'd go to that church if they would just get the air right. <laughs> if they would just play my song on that Sunday morning. If they would just play my song. It's all about you. If it had just extended or shortened it. Yeah, some of y'all don't know that I know reason you don't come on time is because you're trying to avoid certain aspects of service. I can't, I, whatever. Long, listen, listen. I'm, I know I'm meddling just a little bit, but so what? 
long, long, long before I even knew what praise and worship music was, I didn't even know that. I just, I just started listening to Kenneth Hagin and Dr. Price on television. They don't play, they'll tell you, you don't play no praise and worship on television. None. They ain't get no music. None. Zero. Zilch. But I fell in love with the word. I fell in love with the word. So the music was just a caveat. It was like, whoa, and there's music too? But you take away the music, I'd still have been all right with just the word. Don't allow the little foxes to steal the vine. Don't allow the little bitty things to mess up and get you and get you upset. You know, you can't, listen, we're, we're incapable of being angry and hearing from God at the same time. I wish we could. I wish there was a way that I can be upset with my wife and still be reading the Word of God and meditating. <laughs> like, man, she just made me so mad. And the Lord hath said. <laughs> it don't work that way. It does not work that way. God will not share the room with others' thoughts and feelings. He won't share the room with it. So he's like, you come into my place, you better clean up everything before you get here. Because when I talk to you, I don't want you upset and, and feeling all these raw emotions of different things so that I can't talk to you. should have a zero tolerance for the invasion of wrong emotions. You may say, well, it's my right to have these emotions. I would say to you, if you want to keep your rights, then you'll lose righteousness. When I say righteousness, not righteousness as in you're always right with God. I mean righteousness from the standpoint of, of getting all that God has for you in rightness. Everybody breathe. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much. We know that you're shaping us. We know that you're molding us. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.